Welcome to Live from My Office. My name is Steve Cochran. I'm quite clear you're familiar with yourself. And uh, it's great that you're here. It's great that you're always here. And the support continues to grow for Live from My Office. And that's because of you. And I want you to know it's appreciated. Now, you might be saying, well, how are you going to pay me back, Steve? I don't know. I don't know. But you could send me an idea. You know, you could say, Steve, you owe me. I'm a listener. And uh, who knows? Maybe, uh, Maybe I'll figure something out. I don't mow lawns. Um, I'm cool with running to the grocery store for you. Hmm. Well, you think it over and drop me an email anytime at thecochranshow at gmail.com. My friend Rick Pearson is on the show today. Rick Pearson knows more about politics than anybody. And yet he's still a decent guy and a normal functioning member of society. Uh, It's kind of remarkable when you think about it because of the stuff he's seen. He's a tremendous writer, best political writer in America. And uh, we're talking politics today. We're focused on Illinois uh, because Illinois politics are representative of the nation in so many ways, but different yet as well. It's just always news. Politics is always news here in Illinois. Um, And uh, the Democrats are doing a great job at making things harder uh, here in Illinois. But we're going to get into Mike Madigan, the now indicted criminal. Uh, yeah, as many of you know from being a fan of the radio days, uh, I was screaming about that for years. He's indicted. We'll see if he ever goes to jail. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the governor's billionaire's race. Uh, we'll talk about the horrific uh, state's attorney, uh, all the problems of the mayor, and many other things when we get to Rick Pearson here in a little bit. As always, it is sponsored by David Hochberg and Team Hochberg at 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com. This won't be the last time I say this to you. The primary is coming up in June. You need to vote in the primary if you want to have any say in the general election. And if you don't, it's your fault. I mean, there's no other way to say it. So make sure you know where you need to vote in June for the primary and make sure you show up and actually vote uh, for the primary or for whoever you want to vote for in the primary. You just got to show up. That's it. So one of the great journalists, period, Rick Pearson, coming up here in a little bit. I mentioned the email. And also, let me just encourage you again to subscribe if you haven't, wherever you're listening to the podcast. That's appreciated uh, as well. So let's do this. Let's take a break. We'll come back with Rick Pearson right after this. I'm live from my office. can't thank david hochberg enough for the continued support of live from my office as our title sponsor and the david hochberg words of the day are credit utilization Ooh, what's credit utilization i don't know but he knows actually i do know credit utilization is the amount of credit debt you have out there and how you're using it and uh, how you're paying it down now, that's as basic in a definition as I can give you because I looked it up a few minutes ago and that seems right. David Hochberg knows all the terms related to your credit score and making sure your credit rating is great to make sure you get the best terms whenever you go ahead and do a loan of any kind. He's got the experts. He's got a guy. He's got several guys and ladies too, and they're all teed up to help you. David Hochberg and Team Hochberg can save you money in so many ways, but you have to ask for the help, and they will step up and give it to you. 855-56-DAVID, 56david.com. Remember, credit utilization, it matters. 
This is live from my office, and it is always an honor to welcome my old friend, who I've far as I'm concerned has never been better, best political writer, period. I've told you that for years. It's the great Rick Pearson from the Chicago Tribune. Hello, sir. Hello, and I can't wait to when you actually bill me for that kind of, <laughs> you know, the bill is going to come due one of these days, and I don't know what it's going to cost me. But no, great, we'll always great to talk to you, man. Unlike a lot of people, I still tell the truth. Uh, so <laughs> great to talk to you, and congratulations on the work you're continuing to do. And by the way, I say this all the time, Rick, you know this. I go, look, I read the paper online, but I also read the paper as paper. So would it kill you? Buy the paper. Pick the paper up. And, Spend some time with the paper, uh, and I hope. Well, and, re- and remember, and remember, the luxury of the paper was you would find things that you might not have read. Exactly, you just turn the page, and it's like, wow, right, right, you know, right, right. Yeah, it's no knock on digital, but you can click and stay in your tunnel or your silo on digital. And the paper, you're going to get a touch of everything, and frankly, that's how we all should consume the news. Exactly. So, all right, let's talk politics. I want to do a bit of a politics 101, and we're going to focus on Illinois, wherever you're listening around the country or the world. You know, I'm not kidding when I tell you this, Rick. We're in 14 countries with uh, live from my office. I am not surprised. I am not surprised at all. And uh, But Chicago and Illinois are, uh, I think, a, a, a political stamp for the rest of the country. If it happens here politically, you've either had it or you might have it at some point. But everybody's interested in what goes on in Chicago and Illinois. So... Like I said, let me just go through the 101 here. And as, <laughs> as, as you know, um, I had a dream that Mike Madigan would join me for an all no holds barred interview. And I did a countdown where he wouldn't return my calls because, of course, he didn't have a phone in his office. Um, and well, I'm, you also had the uh, the crickets chirping sound of right, 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 right. Yes, Which yes. was the response I got from. <laughs> Point being to all of this. Uh, it's a bit tedious for me to see the other Democrats who are just shocked that he was involved in something that bordered on illegal and then could possibly be indicted for it. Uh, putting that aside for the moment, educate us on Madigan and Ed Burke, too. What's the state of where they are in their cases and how long can they put off facing the uh, their justice, whatever it turns out to be? Well, they've, I mean, obviously, they've both been charged uh, and uh, on federal uh, counts. Um, and, and this is, you know, when you look at Madigan, for example, this was the man who was the nation's longest serving state house speaker. Uh, and, uh, things started actually falling apart because of it within his own democratic caucus. And it was always about power. He, he was helped always helping members get elected. And the only vote he ever claimed to ask them for was to vote for him for speaker. And of course, he just kept getting more powerful over the years from 1983 on. And uh, then we had revelations about members of his staff that got caught up in the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. And basically, he was not keeping up with the times. And uh, then we had the big revelation of Commonwealth Edison, the state's largest utility, uh, going into federal court and, and, pay, and saying that we're going to pay a $200 million fine and cooperate. Uh, on a bribery scheme that they were uh, working to uh, do favors to gain Madigan's favor for favorable legislation in Springfield. And that's brought a number of his uh, friends and colleagues and folks from Commonwealth Edison uh, under uh, indictment and charge in federal court and ultimately led to Madigan being charged. Um, Where this goes, 
Madigan maintains that he did, was unaware of Commonwealth Edison's activities, uh, but uh, certainly uh, one of his top right-hand men appears to have been the conduit for a lot of these things between the utility and hiring uh, hiring people that Madigan wanted to see, including on the Commonwealth Edison board, uh, for setting up internships, uh, picking people uh, from Madigan's uh, ward organization to work in Commonwealth Edison internships and um, later for the company. Uh, it, this is this is so old school in a way because patronage was always mm-hmm. kind of the the basic. Way government and politicians operated, and was about trying to get the biggest patronage job you could get, and and that way you've got steady street troops and all of that, and all the patronage was in government, and then you had the federal Supreme Court ruling, um, actually from the Jim Thompson days, as he was going out of office, that uh, vastly narrowed the number of jobs that could be filled as political favors in government. And so all the patronage turned to the private sector. And for years, one of the biggest private sector patronage sources for politicians has been Commonwealth Edison. And so this, for a lot of us, it's no surprise that Commonwealth Edison was trying to, you know, use patronage for influence. And now the question is, you know, how is how is the jury going to see things if and when uh, we finally get to a, a trial? And with you know with with Ed Burke, it's you know the longest serving member of the uh, of the city council in Chicago, a powerful alderman stripped of his his powers basically. And, and with Burke, as with Madigan, they were both uh, tax appeals attorneys, right? And with with Burke, there's a more direct effect, and in fact, that's basically what he's accused of is using his powers as an alderman and to to gain business for his tax appeals firm and, and leverage like approvals for uh, building construction zoning in exchange for you hire my firm for property tax appeals. And of course, the net result is every time you have a big firm that wins a property tax appeal and has their property taxes lowered, you know, has to make up the freight. Well, that, that would be the rest of us. Um, so we're still waiting for a Burke's trial to commence. And there's a voluminous amount of tapes that the feds have. Uh, former Alderman Danny Solis uh, was a, basically a mole for the FBI and, and both the Madigan and Burke cases. And I mean, I'm not sure that they're done transcribing the tapes that they may have here. And that's certainly part of the delay is when you hear of, of, of moving towards any kind of prosecution is defense attorneys in, in both cases basically saying there are so many hours of tapes that we haven't had a chance to go through yet that we need time to, you know, what our, know what our clients are looking at. So that's, that's, I, there's no quick way to explain all of it, but that's, oh, no. that's, but that's, that's, where a, that's, a, that's a great summation. And when it comes to Solis, uh, his hands aren't clean, but he struck a deal that is going to keep him out of the courts minimally for two more years. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's good. He got, he got probation despite his illegal actions. Um, the mayor, uh, Lightfoot had 
actually suggested that the city was going to consider filing a victim impact statement at his sentencing, uh, claiming that, you know, he deprived residents of Chicago his honest services uh, while engaging in illegal activities and that he should be subject to a stronger sanction than just basically probation. But then uh, last word is she's backtracked on that. I actually, then, and it was it was very interesting to me because the federal judge uh, actually opened was said she was open to hearing a, such a victim impact mm-hmm. statement. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that's that's not going to be the case. And and uh, yeah, Solis is going to basically walk. And when it comes to the economic mess we're all in, uh, the dollars matter. And as I understand it, Solis keeps his pension, right? That's correct. That's correct. That's that's one of the provisions that he gets to keep his pension. It's just um, um, and, it's just amazing when you think about it. Look, maybe you don't get Madigan, maybe you don't get Burke, maybe you don't get whomever else is in the criminal food chain there without Solis. And you've always needed to strike deals with informants and things of that nature. But when the city and the state talk about ethics reform, and a guy like Solis gets to, in all likelihood, stay out of jail and continue to get paid by the taxpayers. I don't know how the public could even consume it without going same shit, different day. Well, yeah, and and you know, and, and God knows, you know, one of our one of our financial problems is pensions, and and, right. and when you have people like that, you know, getting a pension uh, that just sours, you know, sours the public atmosphere one more time on the subject. Um, and, and, uh, you know, it, it's, I mean, there are provisions for people that are convicted of crimes, not to, not to get their pensions. Um, but, um, this does not apply in, in the Solis case. You know, you mentioned, uh, in a great explanation of the Madigan Burke situation, but you, you mentioned it with Madigan, you know, old school patronage jobs, um, you know, the way things used to be done. I've actually heard people use that as a defense of Madigan saying, well, you know, he was from the world of the original mayor daily. This is how politics was done in Chicago and he just didn't adjust to the times. Um, he was well aware that what he was doing was wrong. And so were the other Democrats who are just shocked that he was involved in it. Um, so there's no out for him, right? There's no way you can go, well, his lawyers go, eh, he's an old guy. He didn't understand. Well, I mean, I, the the only out is basically his claim that Edison, Commonwealth Edison, and in, in collaboration with his uh, right hand guys, uh, that he that he didn't, had no direct knowledge what they were doing. That's that's it. That's 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 his defense, and you know, let's let's see how you prove that, um, and and. Truly, his top right-hand guy, uh, who was a former state legislator from the Quincy area, an attorney, uh, Mike McLean, uh, and McLean later became a very top lobbyist. But McLean was kind of the Madigan whisperer, and would was was kind of the the conduit, as alleged by the feds. Uh, and McLean is, uh, has said he's got no intention of rolling over. So, I mean, there's there's still much to be seen here because certainly McLean would be a, a very big key to the federal prosecution. 
Yeah, and you would think that when somebody is looking at jail time for themselves or certainly severe criminal punishment, they'd go, yeah, what do you want to know? But uh, it's a different world we live in. Yeah, and, and I mean, and there there is old school there. You yeah. Know? I mean, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and we're not talking about, you know, people who are of, uh, of a young age either. And, uh, you know, if 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 they want to finish their years in federal prison or hope that their age will buy them time off their sentence, you know, I, I, I can't, I'm only speculating here. I have no idea. Sure. But I, I, I wonder if that also is part of the mindset here, too. Well, that will play out as it plays out. But let's stay in Springfield for the moment. The uh, the governor um, was not technically in politics, so he's been in politics for years uh, prior to being the governor. But it's no secret that he and Democrats and frankly, Republicans as well, were all aware of what Mike Madigan was up to. Does any of that stink stick to anybody? Well, I mean, certainly, you know, I mean, geez, Steve, you know, we've both been around long enough to, you know, to have heard. Uh, blame Mike Madigan as a refrain, and uh, it, it Republicans using that as kind of a campaign mantra. And for years, it didn't it didn't work, and and, and nobody knew who Mike Madigan is. Well, now everybody knows who Mike Madigan is, and recent years, and especially now, um, because because of his indictment, and Republicans are you know Madigan's no longer Speaker of the House; he's not in the legislature. Uh, sure, his ward people might still be helping folks on the side or whatever. Uh, old habits die hard. Um, but, you know, he's not around, but yet the Republican refrain is, continues to be, you know, Madigan. It's about Madigan. It's about Madigan. So you have, you know, with Pritzker, uh, you know, Pritzker gave money to the Illinois Democratic Party, which Madigan headed it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, that's, I mean, quite frankly, that's really no different than when Bruce Browner, with his wealth, was yep. basically funding the entire Illinois Republican Party and legislative candidates up and down the ballot. Uh, you know, and and uh, is there is, is there a stick with Madigan in, in the public? I I don't know. I don't I don't think so. In some respects, I think people just they, they know they don't like madigan and whatever but that's already been factored into their views of, of politics and who they vote for yeah he, madigan had and has a very small circle you mentioned one name but i would also throw in his son and his andrew yeah and his literal right hand why am i spacing out his name who who was the, the spokesperson for madigan forever oh steve brown steve brown what happened to steve brown and is the son involved in anything that the feds are looking at to your knowledge i i'm not aware of anything uh involving andrew who uh works for mesero finance mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm not aware of any i mean feds are always looking at things but i'm not i'm not aware of anything that directly uh involves andrew um, and Steve Brown uh, retired as a, a spokesman for uh, Madigan and the Illinois Democratic Party, and uh, I'm not I'm not sure that he's lobbying any clients or anything, but uh, but he's, he's he's definitely stepped away from his uh, spokesman role. And as you said, younger voters, and really you could say younger voters now, we could define it as younger than 50 even. Madigan's just a, an old guy that uh, is no longer relevant because he's not on the scene. 
um, to a lot of people. All right, so let me stay. Right. Let me stay in Springfield with the attorney general's job. Um, when is the term up, and and who's going to want it? Well, we've got. I mean, we we have our primary elections on June twenty eighth, and that's for all statewide uh, constitutional offices. We do the Illinois elects its constitutional officers in the midterm. That was a change adopted by uh, voters in the nineteen seventy Constitution, and so we actually had a a governor for two year term at one point, Jim Thompson. That was one of his terms uh, as governor, uh, but we do the the off year. Uh, the the political thinking was basically that uh, voters' minds are you know all clouded by presidential and federal politics. That let's let's do it in the midterms. So um, that's when people separated their politics. I think from federal to local, and I'm not sure that separation occurs anymore in their mindset. Right. So you've got so yeah. So we've got you know we've got the governor's office is. is up in the prime, starting with the primary, picking nominees, uh, attorney general, secretary of state. Uh, Kwame Raoul is the attorney general now. Um, there's a, a couple of Republicans that are on the primary ballot um, uh, looking to challenge uh, Raoul, a former state senator in his first term. Um, one of them uh, is a downstate attorney, uh, Tom DeVore. Uh, from a small town way downstate. And uh, if DeVore has any notoriety, it's because he has been the leader of the leading uh, attorney in filing lawsuits challenging uh, Pritzker's uh, masking and business mitigation practices during COVID and has largely lost every case that he was filed. So there's no Um, real threat to Kwame Raul that we're aware of based on what we know of politics. I, 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 I mean, obviously, there's there's DeVore. There's also Steve Kim, who has uh, run previously for uh, different offices, including lieutenant governor. He's kind of an international business attorney who has always had kind of a, an interest in politics. He's part of the slate of candidates running under the banner of Aurora Mayor Richard Irvin. Um, but, um, you know, I, 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 attorney general, I'm not sure how deep voters get when they get that, you know, go that, that far into the ballot or, you know, and with, with Steve Kim, for example, we had just had campaign finance reports that were filed, uh, for the first three months of the year. And, uh, Steve Kim announced that he had spent a total of $37. No, you know what? Generally speaking, that's not enough anymore. Well, and 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 actually, I don't know how you can only report thirty seven dollars if you're running for a statewide campaign. <laughs> that's uh, that borders on hysterical. Now, the the Secretary of State's uh, race, uh, Jesse White, who I've always enjoyed, has been there for one hundred and fourteen years. And, <laughs> not that long. I mean, he, well, you guys, I'm not knocking him. He can still tumble. He can out-tumble you know, yes, me. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but Lexi Giannullius wants this, and um, I know he's got money behind him, the former president, President Obama behind him. Uh, is this a race, or is this a foregone conclusion? Um, I think it's a race. Um, and, uh, I mean, a couple of interesting factors here. So you've got 
there, there are really three leading candidates on the Democratic uh, primary uh, ballot for Secretary of State. You've got Alexei Giannoulias. You've got uh, City Clerk Anna Valencia, the City Clerk of Chicago. Then you've got Chicago Alderman David Moore. Um, there's Valencia. There are issues now surrounding uh, whether she used her official position as a city official to help cloud her husband business uh, involving uh, city IDs at, at cities around the country. Uh, that, that's that's being looked at. At the same time, with Janulis, you know, go back ten years ago, uh, while well, he lost the 2010 um, race for United States Senate, he was the Democratic nominee. Mm-hmm. I lost that to Mark Kirk, and a lot of the baggage that Janulis had then was the fact of him being a senior loan officer at his family's bank, which failed and that the bank uh, gave loans to known mobsters. Um, So you have two very troubled, uh, two two, uh, Democrats with very troubled backgrounds, or or interesting backgrounds that could cause them trouble. And with a low turnout Um, in a primary, you can always get a vote split with that many candidates. It could be a surprise. So uh, I suppose we'll see a lot more of Lexi playing basketball on commercials. Well, yeah, and, and and Obama has not endorsed him. In well, that's race. interesting. I mean, I mean, he's he, he Obama uh, helped him get into politics, uh, but there, there, Obama has not made an endorsement in this race. Hmm. Um, but certainly, that you know, showing Obama's face in his ads is, is meant to try to you know make that implication. But you also have a Republican primary for Secretary of State, and. Republicans see the kind of the, the turmoil involving the top two Democratic candidates as an opportunity to Potential perhaps perhaps get get a statewide uh, officer and Secretary of State. As much as we talk about decline in patronage, there's still a lot of jobs in Secretary of State's office. Yep, uh, a lot of political jobs. So you've got. Uh, uh, Dan Brady, who's a, a state representative from downstate Bloomington, yep. uh, just a, um, um, he uh, he is one of the last of the Republican moderates that exist in Springfield politics. Um, he is uh, uh, he's conservative, but very much a, a, a kind of a centrist kind. I would say, yeah, it tries and, to get things uh, done. It's a shocking be- way to behave. Right. And and then you've got uh, a gentleman named Milheiser, who is the uh, former U.S. attorney for the Central District of Illinois, Springfield, former Sangamon County State's attorney. And he is also part of the urban slate of, of candidates. And he acknowledged in his spending report that he spent four hundred and twenty five dollars uh, in the first quarter. Is he crazy? He could have done it for thirty seven. Anyway, pictures and T-shirts, apparently, <laughs> is what he spent. Uh, so we're still trying to figure out, yeah, what, what's going on there. But anyway, but you do have, you know, you do have two credible uh, Republican candidates there. And as I said, with with Valencia or Giannoulias, they, they do see the opportunity to rehash all of the negatives here in, in an effort to try to win a statewide office. 
Uh, Pritzker uh, wants to stay in the governor's office. He's willing to spend, apparently willing to spend whatever it takes to do that. And then come the uh, comes uh, along the richest uh, man in Illinois who decides to put that money behind um, uh, Richard Irvin, the uh, mayor of Aurora, who's got a very spotty background that normally would be problematic. Two questions. One, um, Irvin's all over the place. He spent as much as, as, as Pritzker so far. Is he a legitimate threat? And two, why did Ken Griffin go with him? Uh, a couple of interesting questions. And, and one, look, these days, anybody on a ballot is a legitimate threat. Okay. You know, I mean, it, it's just, and, and the fact that Ken Griffin has given uh, Richard Irv $20 million in campaign funds, uh, and Irvin's already spent about half of that on TV ads. And of course, you know, they're, they're basically Pritzker and Irvin are matching each other on TV ads right now. Yep. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you, you definitely, you, you definitely have to consider him obviously a, a legitimate candidate here. That having been said, there's a lot of questions about his background. There's a lot of questions about things that he said in the past and then campaigns on the opposite of that. Um, and, and he has played a risk avoidance game by not having press conferences, uh, by not appearing in forums with other candidates of his rivals, um, mainly just trying to do a, a, a TV campaign, TV ad campaign, uh, to run for governor. Um, I thought it was, Interesting that just the other day, uh, the uh, Irvin people sent out a notice that he would be available to talk to the media, and the location was somewhere uh, southwest of Rockford, about <laughs> really? you know, about a, about a two and a half hour drive from Chicago, and they sent out the notice uh, at eight thirty in the morning, and uh, the, this was an availability for eleven o'clock. Two and a half hours. Okay, so, so this was yeah. this was. Hey, we tried. We, exactly. Yeah, now, okay. now they yes. So now they can use this excuse that hey, we offered him up to the media and nobody showed up. Uh, and and frankly, I think the town where he was having it in was a town of about three hundred people. Uh, so there was no <laughs> no media at all. No, there. of course not. Now the other Republicans involved, and there are a lot of them. Uh, share a lot of similar points. Now I had Gary Rabine on because. I think he's an interesting right. guy. He's a self-made guy, but a political novice. And is seemed to be trying to coalesce his message to some degree, but a likable guy. But I don't know that anybody else has the money to break through here. Um, though I know Uline got involved, as he normally does, and picked a far-right candidate, threw a couple of million bucks at him. So, as usual, it's going to come down to money for the governor's office, but can't Pritzker outspend all of them? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Pritzker, the only person Pritzker can't outspend is Ken Griffin. Uh, and, and, and Griffin's worth $27 billion. Pritzker's worth $3.6 billion. Uh, and, and Pritzker's already put $90 million into his own campaign. That was kind of a, done as a kind of a effort to try to scare off anybody. Uh, you know, Griffin's $20 million in on, on, uh, Irvin, you've got Dick Uline is in for now $3.5 million to Darren Bailey, a downstate state senator from far downstate, who is uh, a kind of 
I would, I would say right wing Christian evangelical, uh, type who uh, also has in the past supported, uh, having Chicago create its own state so that downstaters don't have to be run by Chicago. Mm, Um, and very much is, uh, working to try to appeal to the rural, less populated, but more Republican areas of the state. Uh, and he's doing advertising that isn't airing in Chicago. It's airing in other parts of the state. South of 80, of as we say here. Yeah. And, and, uh, and Uline also is helping is basically funding a, a pack super pack that's running anti urban ads and those ads are running up here, and that's also kind of a, a double-pronged effort to try to weaken Irvin as well as improve Darren Bailey's fortunes upstate. I would like to uh, tell people that the money doesn't matter, but it does, and uh, the spending matters. Um, it would seem Pritzker's motivation to spend his money is greater than Ken Griffin to have a bottomless wealth for this. Am I misreading that? Well, except except for the fact that, you know, uh, Griffin and Pritzker, I mean, Griffin doesn't, is, has decided to make it part of his mission to defeat Pritzker. I mean, he spent $50 million to uh, help the publicity campaign that killed uh, Pritzker's efforts to change the state from a flat rate income tax to a graduated right. rate tax. Right. Um, he's, he's spent, uh, money, uh, supporting Bruce Rauner, uh, against Pritzker and, and when, and Rauner lost, um, you know, there, uh, there are new issues about Griffin that have been raised with, uh, about Michael Irvin, uh, Bloomberg has a story that, uh, uh, Griffin, who, who's, uh, a Michael Irvin or Richard Irvin. About Irvin and Griffin. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and about Griffin's desire to have a uh, tower built in uh, Aurora because it's close to the uh, trading trading cloud storage area that beams out stuff. And that uh, Griffin being in in the investment and hedge fund fields wanted to have that access to build a tower to be the first to get these trades to, you know, in quarters, you know, fractions of seconds matter in trading. Sure. And so there are questions raised there about, uh, Griffin, the company that built the tower, the company that built the tower and what they did uh, to back Irvin, uh, the zoning committee in Aurora initially rejected it. Uh, the city council initially rejected building the tower and then Irvin put on a hard court for us to have the tower built. And, I don't, uh, and maybe it's as simple as quantifying it that way that the money for this is is substantial enough to have ken griffin say Irvin's my guy but is there a reason i'm missing on why he chose to back Irvin? well but if if, if Irvin went to bat for him in a previous yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know then you know well then that, that's he doesn't have history with the others that want the job right and 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 you know here's a guy who you know and uh, a company I know needed something and Irvin did them, you know, did them a solid. 
So the governor's race will continue to be the primary interruption of the television you're watching on the regular broadcast channels and the screens. Yeah, but but it's a a question, and you mentioned Rabine, for example. And, Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as you said, an interesting, uh, you know, build build his own business story into a, you know, national, international paving and construction business. But, uh, you know, he, he had his campaign expense reports filed. And uh, he forgot to report uh, more than a half million dollars. Yeah, you can't that have he's, that. That he's got. He, well, if you want to run a state budget, you kind of better get the paperwork right. Yeah, and if you, and if your your platform is, I'm the business guy, and I know how to do this. So, yeah, this is a it's a pretty simple form, and he 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 reported ending last year with more than five hundred thousand dollars in the bank. And this year, where the top of the form says funds at the end of previous reporting period, he put none. Yeah, so he understated the revenue that's come into his campaign by half a million dollars. Does he have a singular supporter of wealth, or is it a lot of small, or we don't know? It's 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 largely him. It's largely he is you know put in uh, over a million dollars of his own money in the campaign. Mm-hmm. He hasn't really run any advertising yet. Uh, but you know, a lot of these guys are you know competing on the who is who is the closest to Trump, and certainly Rabine has his uh, uh, credentials with Trump. He hosted a fundraiser for Trump uh, at the uh, Bull Valley uh, uh, golf course that he's part owner of, mm-hmm. featuring uh, Don Jr. and Don Jr.'s. Uh, uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle, uh, if you remember the, the wonderful yeah. convention speech she gave. Um, I, still, I still twitch a little because she was yelling at me. Yeah, right, exactly. Yes, I, I felt very bad. And, then, <laughs> and, 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 uh, and, and Brabine also is uh, on the uh, advisory board of Turning Point USA, which is Charlie Kirk and the Kirk's controversial organization. And surprisingly enough, Charlie Kirk has endorsed him. Um, so, you know, Rabine has certainly, you know, he doesn't have Trump's endorsement yet, but he certainly is trying and wants to get it. Um, you've got, um, Darren Bailey being the downstater, uh, conservative, you know, and he's arguing about how he, you know, his support for Trump, even though he picked, uh, Democratic primary ballots in the presidential years of uh, in in the past. Um, so you've and then you've got also the fact that uh, Irvin has picked uh, polled Democratic primary ballots in the past. So well, and, 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 and the Trump impact is is a questionable thing as a positive, aside from the fact that the White House, the Senate, and and the House were all lost with Trump in the White House. Uh, there is that residual thing that seems to be going on, which indicates that, well, yeah, he is a huge figure. There's no question about it. And an awful lot of people still believe he's the guy to follow, but it's not what it was. Well, I mean, we're, we're going to start seeing the evidence of, of that in, in some of these um, earlier primary, earlier state primary contests. And, and, and I mean, you've got, uh, for example, in Ohio with J.D. Vance uh, running that Trump endorsed. And, in, you know, Vance was uh, 
hillbilly elegy that yep. was his and and he was a never trumper mm-hmm. and then he as a candidate he embraced trump uh and then trump endorses him uh quickly raises five million dollars and goes from nowhere in the polls to leading the polls right now and trump's on his way to ohio to, to help boost his campaign but that's one that he certainly trump views as and, and knows that if it if he loses somebody like that in an early primary, you know, then people will be raising those questions about what kind of influence does he have? Right. And certainly, you know, with his ego, uh, he, he, he can't afford an early shot that strikes at his power as, you know, as, as, as he, he talks about, you know, uh, in the controversy over Kevin McCarthy, you know, and it's like, Oh, well, Sure, he might have said those things about maybe I should leave after January 6th or I should resign. But where was he, you know, late after that? He was down at Mar-a-Lago. We right. posed for a picture. He's right. my guy. Right. Uh, so, you know. Um, but, yeah, there, the Trump factor certainly exists. And, and it's very interesting to watch these candidates try to sometimes, uh, the ones that, that aren't full Trumpers, try to uh, kind of navigate the space between uh, you know, uh, sporting Trump, but not going out so far as to say, well, the election was stolen. I mean, Ray Bine, for example, when I actually, when he announced one of my first questions was, you know, in his background as support of Trump, I said, do you feel the election was stolen? And he said, uh, I'm not smart enough to know. Well, mm. uh, you know, I'm sorry that. Yeah. We're going to need that, an opinion there. Yeah. That doesn't answer the question. Um, so, uh, um, again, and Irvin won't say if he voted for, if he voted for Trump, Irvin, all Irvin will say is Joe Biden's the president. Yeah. And by the way, you and I will have plenty of time to talk about Joe Biden because, um, you know, the Democrats in power can't seem to get out of their own way, but that's another show. Uh, let, let me shift you to Cook County. What is going on? Okay. What is going on to Cook County in Cook County uh, that's of note to the electorate in 2022? Well, it probably will come as a shock to a lot of residents of Cook County in Chicago that uh, Kim Fox is not on the ballot. Uh, her term runs another two years. Uh, the, and of course, the issues of crime being kind of a predominant theme. Um, largely by Republicans, but knowing that there is a public that, you know, is concerned, um, you know, Kim Fox is uh, the state's attorney of Cook County and uh, her efforts to, uh, in, in high profile cases, the Jesse Smollett case, for example, that she basically said there was, you know, no crime and it took a special prosecutor to come in and say, yeah, there was. In a lot of ways to know. Uh, and a lot of wasted money. So you, I mean, there's, uh, there are some issues on the ballot in Cook County. The, the mayor's race, of course, is not for until April of next year. So there's, and there's going to be plenty of time for candidates to get in on that. Um, Cook County itself, uh, still waiting to see about uh, if Tom Dart will have opposition as the Cook County Sheriff. And uh, there are some that want to run, but there's also issues involving qualifications for office to be sheriff and whether these candidates that want to challenge them meet those qualifications. 
And then you've got the assessor's office. And of course, the assessor's office never sounds like a sexy thing, except, you know, this is the guy who basically sets the tax rates for property taxes. And it's always been a highly political office. Well, of course, back in the because day. it's Jersey and us that pay the uh, freight. California, big number right. too, but Illinois is always, unfortunately, in that team picture of paying the most property taxes. Even the mayor's race next year, uh, the Kim Fox thing cannot be good for Lori Lightfoot unless she takes a strong stand against her. You know, this is where I come down on this, Rick, and you've known me for a long time. We've been friends forever. Um, I, I don't care what color you are. Uh, if you break the law, you need to have your day in court. And when justice is served, uh, you need to suffer the penalty of your actions. And if people were indeed put away inappropriately or at sentences that were ridiculous, there's a manner in which those things can be reassessed and should be. But crime is not a social experiment. And punishment is not a social experiment. You know, it goes back to that book, Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Don't break people's things. Don't take people's things that aren't yours. And right, right. Kim Fox has been a disaster. Uh, to, yeah, and that's, that's my word for it. Um, so doesn't some of that end up as Lori Lightfoot's problem too? Well, certainly, you know, crime, crime itself and, and you know, prosecutions or lack thereof. Uh, certainly uh, become part of any incumbent's uh, problem. I mean, you, you you know, just here even on the state level, you're seeing uh, uh, Governor Pritzker being hit on legislation that he signed that was basically uh, to uh, provide some kind of uh, uh, relief to the fact that we were, hired, we're, housing, we're warehousing people in jails awaiting trial. And part of that is a provision that would end cash bail for nonviolent offenses. Mm -hmm. And that has created a lot of controversy that doesn't even go in effect until January. But you have Republicans talking about like it's going on right now, uh, which it isn't. Um, But the but the bottom line is, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to make it sound like anything short of murder people can just walk get can do and then they'll just walk and it's not that simple and judges have the ability to hold people and those kinds of things yeah and it's not it's, Pritzker, it's, Pritzker, not, Pritzker, it, Pritzker it's not it's not a black people thing it's a criminal thing and i understand that the rate of arrest and conviction is inappropriately lopsided but to allow this to be made specifically a race issue is inaccurate as well Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so you have kind of this social restorative justice legislation, uh, affecting, uh, crime and, 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 and law enforcement. And this is being painted on by as Republicans, that Democrats are weak on crime and they're defunding the police, even though they're not defunding the police, but it's the, it's the refrain that everybody uses and police are getting more money and, and a lot of more money in this budget. They're also getting training standards that even Richard Irvin, who runs ads critical of Pritzker on police, this law adopts police training standards that Irvin wrote a letter in support of and said, this is great. And and we're already doing most of this and everybody in the state should have these standards. 
So as much as he hates the law and wants it repealed, that's in the law. And he wrote a letter supporting that. Okay. <laughs> well, well, um, well, look, in Chicago, the great fear 10 years ago was Chicago's got to get its act together. It's going to end up going down the same path Detroit went down. Uh, with crime moving out of some very troubled, difficult neighborhoods that were 99% good people just trying to get by, but gangs on every corner. Well, the worst happened, and it's been handled poorly in the process. So at Lori Lightfoot's 30% approval rate, I I don't don't know how she turns this around in a year. Well, I mean, you know, remember the old adage, you can't beat somebody with nobody. And I I hate to use that as a frequent refrain, but but it's absolutely true. And, you know, we've got you know, Willie Wilson, uh, you know, and, and Willie running again. Uh, and Willie, who's ran twice before and never got more than 10% of the vote. And, but he's out there giving away uh, $50 gas cards. Yep. Um, and, and, uh, that, and getting attention for it. Um, but, you know, Willie... And, uh, and, and, you know, Willie's an interesting story of a guy who uh, got Ray Kroc to give him a McDonald's franchise, yep. you know, I mean, and, and turned and, it into a bunch more and right. And then turned it into a, a plastic, uh, glove distribution company with Walmart and McDonald's as the clients. Yep. So, um, but you know, but Willie is a politician, not so well. And don't forget, Willie also thought so highly of himself that he ran for president mm-hmm. as, a, as, a, as a Democrat, went to the South Carolina primary and got less than, I believe, less than 1,500 votes. So what about Alderman know, Lopez? Is, is he in? I don't know. I mean, you know, the, a very big critic of the mayor. I just but I don't know. I don't know. He seems I, like he I, could I, be I, I kind of. He seems like he could be a formidable candidate if he runs, but again, it all remains to be seen. Yeah, but sometimes it's easier to, you know, when you have a ward, you know, you can win mm-hmm. again, and it's easier to kind of throw the rocks from the from your own property, you know, instead of instead of uh, going going for the whole the whole boat. Well, as insane as the know, idea can, of a Republican mayor in the city of Chicago could ever be, it seems like if not now, when. Yeah, but, and well, and also, I mean, and, and do remember this, it is a nonpartisan race. Mm-hmm. So they don't, they don't run with a D or an R. Right. But that just, and then, and, and part of that was actually Republicans did that in the mid nineties in an effort to try to spur Republican candidates <laughs> as it worked out so well. Not so good. But, uh, but, uh, but, you know, you've got Paul Vallis again. And, and frankly, if you're looking at a candidate who's leaning R, I would argue Vallis is. He's uh, totally adopted the FOP platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and But Vallis was a, you know, a big social Democrat back in the day. So he's he's come full circle. Uh, you've got John Cantonera, the head of the FOP, who says he's running. Um, we'll see if that actually happens or not. Um, we don't know, again, we don't know who else is in the wings. I mean, Mike Quigley has uh, been looking at this and done some polling on it. And Quigley, even though as a congressman, uh, former uh, Cook County commissioner, I mean, he, he knows the city. Um, yeah, and, Rah- maybe- and, and, and Rahm Emanuel uh, would be happy to tell you, you can get an awful lot more done as a mayor of Chicago than you're ever going to get done in the House. Oh, yeah, but but even with Democrats in the majority, 
you know, there's questions or is he sensing that perhaps Dems will lose the majority in the midterms, yep. which will put him in the minority. And, and then, then maybe looking at the prospect of being mayor. So, you know, all of these, you know, we'll, we'll see this all develop. I think we'll see, you know, a ton of candidates, but obviously, you know, there'll only be a few legit ones. And, uh, yeah, we should say Lightfoot has not said she's running again. Right. So any question in your mind that she will? Oh, she, I know she has not said that officially, but, uh, the emails from team Lightfoot have been coming every day. Oh, okay. And so there, there's no doubt that she's running for reelection. It's amazing. Um, so let me, uh, you brought up the gas thing. Let me wrap with that. Cause you've been so good to give me all this time. And I don't want to keep you longer than you're already willing to be kept. Cause I'm, you know, you're talking to me and paying attention this long. Eventually you're going to fade on me. Um, hey, I- <laughs> but here's the thing, this gas war with Willie Wilson and then Lightfoot gets involved and she and Pritzker are on the same page when it comes to not only are we going to try to do something for your gas uh, uh, costs, we want our name and maybe even our picture very prominently displayed so you know who did you the favor to the point where Pritzker a week ago, and you can tell me where this stands, gas station owners were, um, were heated and understandably so that they would have to buy signs and post signs thanking Governor Pritzker for suspending the state gas tax for a period of time. Um, and if the signs weren't up, they're were going to get fined. I don't remember. I think it was 500 bucks a day or something, which is a lot of money for a small business owner. So is, right. is that where and, you are campaigning? It, it's like, hey, look at me, what I did for you. Well, I mean, well, frankly, if you remember uh, the, the stimulus check signed by Donald Trump, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's uh, the and there will be other tax relief efforts uh, coming after July from the state that will have the uh, Mike Frerichs, the state treasurer's names on the check. Because that's who issues checks to the state of Illinois. Right. Uh, as far as the gas, those signs, it's absolutely true that, that uh, there are, uh, the some of the gasoline retailers have threatened to go to court saying this is a uh, infringe, infringement of their First Amendment rights, that they will have to post these signs saying that the, you know, the state of Illinois has suspended or that and frankly, I'm not even sure what the wording has even been approved for it, mm-hmm. uh, but that the legislature voted and, and uh, the, the governor signed the legislation to delay a scheduled uh, 2.4 cent increase in the state's gasoline tax. And, and, and by the way, be- I've run the numbers on that. Just say, you know, they cost me 75 to $90, I suppose, to fill up my tank. And I probably do it twice mm-hmm. a week. Uh, that two and a half percent is going to amount to about $37, which means I could run for statewide office. That's right. You could run for attorney general. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not a big yeah. deal. It's no, it's not. It's not. It's, and it's the same with the suspension of the, uh, the, uh, state, uh, the sales tax on groceries, which is going to go into effect. And, you know, we, we, it's, it's not going to amount to a lot of money. Uh, but that's something that Democrats are, are pointing to is that we feel your pain. We're trying to, and, and I should say as much as Republicans accuse the Democrats that these were, uh, you know, uh, election reelection gimmicks, virtually 99% of them voted for them on the Republican yeah, side. Yeah. 
It's you know, so, anytime you tell me that uh, politicians are not true to their word, I am shocked. You know that about me. <laughs> so, well, you're good. You're a good man. I love talking to you, and I love reading you in the uh, Chicago Tribune. And as I said, I don't think you've ever been better. So it's going to be a very well, busy, I appreciate it. busy summer, fall, and into next year as well. Um, and 2024 is not that far away. We need an involved electorate that's willing to vote in the primaries until the primaries are no longer part of our system. June 28th, you got to show up. And by the way, an improvement on turnout numbers for the primary, not that hard. What do we need? 10, 15%? What, where were we at last time in the midterm? Uh, don't, don't, I don't even want to go there. Um, <laughs> but I'm not that but, far off, right? Is it, I mean, no, no, you're not. <laughs> I think you're you're a little low. You're a little low. But Maybe still, we got to twenty. Yeah, but yeah, it's it, and there. I mean, there are a lot of things on the primary ballot, and uh, uh, this is this is basically your say for who the party nominees are. So it's, yeah, you don't get to you, you don't get to say on election day. I can't believe these two idiots are all we have to choose from. If you don't show up for the primary and choose who the idiots are. Can I get all that on a T-shirt? I don't know if I could. Uh, no, I think you'd have to uh, go on and, and down to the shorts and, and you know, <laughs> long-legged pants and socks. Yes, yes. Ah, uh, you're the best. Uh, uh, well, thank you as always, and always, always great to talk to you, Steve. It's my friend Rick Pearson, Chicago Tribune, ChicagoTribune.com, at Rap30 on social media, and thank you for doing this. My pleasure. Now on Live from My Office, a warning, warning, warning. Don't wait. Waiting's bad. Waiting's bad anytime. Waiting for, you know, your table at a restaurant. Waiting in line for anything. Waiting for something cool that's going to happen. Waiting to see someone you really want to see. They're all bad. You know what also sucks when it comes to waiting? Waiting for your perfect mortgage rate to come along in the year 2022 let me tell you something the fed is going to raise rates again and maybe a couple of times and that means the mortgage rate you'll pay on an original mortgage or a refi it's going to go up waiting is not your friend you need to act now and the good people at team hochberg david hochberg and all of his people they're going to tell you exactly when you can refi to a lower rate maybe they'll put you in one of those arms you know your adjustable rate mortgage those are very popular again for obvious reasons but they're going to manage the timing they're going to tell you what they need from you you deliver the details they deliver the goods you're going to save money so no you don't have to put off buying a house this year and you shouldn't david hochberg and team hochberg title sponsors of live from my office since 2020 because that's actually when we started and thank you, David, once again. David Hochberg, Team Hochberg, 855-56-DAVID-56-DAVID.COM. Before we go, I mean, I know you've got important places to go and maybe you're already going there. See, that's the cool thing about the podcast, right? You can you can wear your, your iPods, your iPods. <laughs> well, that's a funny visual. A couple of big old... 2000s iPods, one taped on each side of your head. No, you can wear your ear pods or whatever you're sticking in your ears to hear this podcast uh, anywhere you're going. So you may be on the go right now. You may be uh, running those errands you need to run. You may be doing whatever you're doing. Uh, Look, as always, I thank you for listening. And the reason I 
stammer over all of this is before we go i value your time but i always want to make sure you know about a charity that's worth mentioning and worth your consideration we talked to rick pearson there's an organization in ukraine it's called 2402 2402.org. I say in Ukraine because they're doing the work there, but they help protect the journalists of the world on war fronts everywhere. Look, there's, there's, there's no getting around this. The only way we know about the bad guys doing bad things is because of great reporting. You may say, no, Steve, the social media, that tells me what I need to know. Maybe. But the journalists and the news you consume will bring it to you because you're going to be searching out news and you're going to see it pop up because those channels are more clear. I'm not saying ignore your social media, but be careful about what you're seeing because the stuff we recommend it here, it's, it's always vetted to the fullest degree. 2402, 2402.org. Protecting journalists. It's a journalism emergency fund, really. Making sure reporters of all kinds have what they need to survive and to do their job so the world knows, in this case, about the crimes and the horrors uh, from Vladimir Putin on the people of Ukraine and, frankly, on the rest of us in the world as well. Again, 2402.org, and thank you for your consideration. All right, thank you, Ross Cochran. Man, is he good. He's really, really good. I don't know who his dad is, but let me tell you something. That guy raised himself a good one, and yeah, he ought to be proud. And I'm pretty sure he is. So thank you, Ross. As always, the executive producer of Live from My Office, and thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Oh, we're going to talk a little travel next time. You ready to get back on the boat? The cruise guy will join me when we do it again on Live from My Office. 30 years plus on the airwaves. You have turned your dial to me. Now you're tuned into my podcast. It's Live from My Office, Steve. From Ithaca, New York, to Carolina South, W. Cochran, Steve. From Minneapolis and then Chicago twice, top-rated shows achieved. Sit back, relax, and now listen to my show. When or wherever you are, cause you're on the go. A-list celebs with some laughs and great info. Live from my office, the Steve Cochran Podcast Show. Yeah, 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 yeah. No better place to be. It's live from my office, Steve. Thank you for listening to Live from My Office, a service of Monkey Run Productions. All rights reserved. The podcast is hosted by Steve Cochran, and it's mixed, edited, and produced by me, Ross Cochran. Steve is available for corporate speaking gigs. He would love to MC your event. And occasionally, he's funny. Thank you for listening. Head to CochranShow.com for more.